I'm Emily Hirsch, and this is the Hirsch Marketing Underground Podcast. Attention innovators, influencers, creators, and game-changing entrepreneurs, your internet domination begins right here. We are the powerhouse marketers that you've been looking for. You're already making waves in your industry, and we're here to help amplify those waves of change by creating a connection that cuts through the noise. We take everything you've built inside your zone of genius and find its audience. With killer strategy and laser eye for impact, we launch multi-million dollar campaigns and skyrocket your reach online. And now we are doing the unheard of. We're unveiling everything we've learned, taking you behind the scenes with the Hirsch Marketing Team and giving away the secrets to our clients' success. Stay tuned for top converting strategy, ROI reports, and insider knowledge that you won't find anywhere else. You're changing the world and we're the team to help. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you guys are all having a fabulous week. I am having a very busy week. Um, I just recently shared on the podcast like it's been a little bit of a rough last month. Not not from anything bad, like business is really good. It's like a good, bad. It's like overwhelm a little bit. And I'm not used to being an overwhelm. So I was kind of reflecting on this because I was like, man, I'm so sensitive to this now. Like I used to do everything in my business and you know, feel this every day became like normal. So when I get to a place where I'm behind or, you know, stressed and, and I feel that it, I really feel it because it's not normal for me. Um, and I think like part of it too, is just three kids is hitting me a lot right now. Um, it's a lot because my, the baby's seven months old and requires a lot of my attention still. So it takes out pr- at least an hour and a half probably of my work day just in kind of like helping with him and feeding him and helping get him down for his nap. Sometimes when my nanny's here, but she has all three kids and it's hard. She can't really do everything with the baby. Um, and so I think I'm just feeling the weight a little bit late- lately of like business and th- three kids And then trying to also cross off all the boxes of getting my workout and my walk-in every day and my meditation, which actually I really have. I've kept it all up, which is is great. I can't encourage you enough when you're going through a stressful time or you're feeling overwhelmed or behind. Like I said today, I'm like, I need to triple myself, like not double myself, triple myself is how I feel right now. Um, When you're feeling that, make sure you still take care of yourself because it's just like, it's not worth it. And you're always, there's always going to be something. So there's always a reason to be like, oh, once I finish that, then I'll start my workouts. Or once I finish that, then I'll go for my walks, you know, or then I'll start eating healthy. There's always going to be it. If that, then I'll do it, you know? So you just have to make it a priority. So I have, so it's good busy. And, um, but I am feeling like I need to not even double myself, but triple myself. I just need like a whole day to catch up. We also have a massive launch coming up in October, which I'm so excited about. And so I have so much prep for that. Um, which is adding to just everything I have to do, up-leveling and all of that. Anyway, so today, I'm so excited about today's episode. I think you guys are going to get so much value out of this. I put a lot of time and effort into actually pre-planning for this um, episode. And I also created an opt-in, which we will be linking to in this episode um, in a little bit. But it will give you a lot of 
so much value inside of it. And what we're talking about is nurturing strategies. And I love this because I think so many people drop the ball here when it comes to like, once we get the leads into our world and into our you know sphere of our funnel, and then what happens to them after that? And how are you nurturing those leads? Because such a large percentage of them, 90% plus, right, are not going to buy from you upon the initial contact with your offer. And so what are you doing to bring in those people over time in the next two, three, four, even 12 months from now? How are you nurturing those leads? And I think a lot of people actually leave money on the table here when it comes time to doing this well and creating nurture sequences because it's so much work getting the strategy in place just to get the lead in the door and then get them to a webinar or whatever it is that then like we kind of let the other piece drop off because we've worked so hard just to get that first part done but you've already done all that hard work to get that lead there so let's make sure that we get squeeze out all the value from that lead and finish it, right? And get them um, to buy your offer. Again, whether it's now or in months from now. So I have nine different kind of nurture strategies. And then the resource I created that goes with this episode is probably one of the most valuable ones I've created because it lists out literally all the different funnels and nurture sequences and how many you should have and how they should be timed and gives you a swipe file of emails for your nurture sequences. So it's so good um, and so much value. But I'm going to walk you through these nine different nurture strategies to nurture your leads. Before I do that, I want to just start with making sure you understand each nurture strategy that you create should have an end goal to improve something that you can measure. This is really important. Don't just plug nurture emails in or um, emails like that you're sending your list or retargeting ads or content on social media that you're like, oh, I'm nurturing. Okay, it needs to have an end goal. What are we nurturing these people to go and do? Why are we nurturing them? What's our end goal for them? What do we want them to buy? And then how are we going to measure that? So for example, if you improve your nurturing after a webinar, before the webinar happens, that would actually impact your webinar show up rate, right? So if we say, I have a webinar sign up, People sign up for my webinar and then after that, like what are the emails that they're getting in between when your webinar, they signed up for your webinar and your webinar is happening. And those emails, if done right and well, will impact your conversion, your show up rate on your webinar, right? So now we have, we've got this nurture sequence we're going to create. We have a purpose behind creating it. And then we have a metric to actually measure once we create or update or improve what we have, we can see if it impacted the metric. Okay, so a lot of some of these, sometimes we also, I think people think of nurture sequences only after somebody opts into like a lead magnet or signs up for something. And it's just that one initial nurture sequence. But you're going to see in the things I share with you here that some of these nurture sequences are happening before the offer even happens and the, the pitch or the, the end goal of your funnel to actually improve the experience of the customer journey and improve engagement throughout the customer journey. And that's really important. So every nurture strategy you create, make sure you're not just doing it because you think you need to do it and somebody said you have to do it, but because it has a metric attached to it that you're trying to improve a conversion, whether it's a sales conversion, a webinar show up rate, a sales call show up rate, whatever it is, you've got a metric attached to it. All right, let's dive into the nine ways that you can nurture your leads. 
So in doctor, here's number one, indoctrination series before a live experience such as a webinar. This is the one I just talked about, so we won't spend too much time here. The goal with this is get them to show up live. And so this sequence would be, again, I sign up for a webinar and then the webinar is not happening for maybe five or four days since I signed up. It's going to be different for the leads depending on when they signed up. But you have emails in there, so you're staying top of mind. So the webinar date and time stays top of mind. And then the most important piece is so that you create kind of that FOMO around actually showing up at your webinar. You give them reason why the content and the the things and the strategies or the tips you're gonna share on the webinar are so good that they cannot miss out on it before, um, before or they can't miss out on it on your webinar and so they come live right and so you're you're building authority in that because they need to trust you and think that you're awesome to show up live for a webinar and then you're also building excitement and authority around the topic and the content in your actual webinar and then staying top of mind with the date and the time and marketing it on their calendars and getting them excited so that is an one kind of indoctrination nurture sequence that you can have to improve your webinar live show up rate and if you don't have it you should definitely implement it and you can do this too with an automated webinar you'd probably just have a few less emails but you would have a couple of emails making sure they went and watched the webinar. And again, creating that FOMO that they need to watch the training. It's going to expire. Here's why. If you watch it, here's the results and the promise that you're going to get from attending that webinar and coming to that webinar. Okay, the next nurture sequence, this is one that a lot of people already do, but it's just a reminder because of course it's so important, but a nurture sequence after somebody joins your list. So whatever format in in whatever way they end up joining your list, whether it's from a webinar, an opt-in, video series, a challenge, various ways that they join your list, I think personally that each way you have someone join your list you should almost have a separate nurture sequence so let me give you an example we have the Hirsch marketing report and our case studies those are like our two core opt-ins that we have on our website that we push in social media Um, we run ads to them occasionally when we want to grow our list and those are my core opt-ins so I have two different nurture sequences that are relevant to those leads and what those leads are interested in that also lead to my next step. So both nurture sequences nurture people and then push them to our application because that's the goal. But they also are different because the Hirsch Marketing Report one is actually highlighting um, Hirsch Marketing Reports because I know that they're interested in that. So because it's so much content when they sign up, we actually have like, I don't even know, I think it's two years of Hirsch Marketing Reports that you can get access to, um, which is crazy cool. But we have that and so it's like you sign up for that and I know they're not going to go consume all that content. So I pull out really great reports and and um, tips from reports and we put that in the nurture sequence because we know that lead is interested in that. And then we are sending them in a few subtle ways to the application. With case studies, same thing. You sign up for the case studies, you get 20 plus case studies on a dashboard. It's a little overwhelming and so we... We don't just assume you're going to go consume all that. Great if you do, but we actually pull out some top case studies and I wrote emails. I didn't write them. My team wrote emails on those case studies and pulling them out. I also thought through like, what are the different clients that we potentially serve? And let's make sure I have a case study that speaks to all of them. Somebody who has never run ads before, has run ads before, and is scaling. So I'm very intentional with that content. And so 
Any entrance you have to join your list, you should have a nurture sequence attached, four or five emails, and then somewhere that those nurture sequences are also sending somebody. So maybe they're then going from, you know, a PDF opt-in to a webinar, or maybe they're going to an application like in my case, or maybe they are going into a Facebook group, different ways, but there, there should be another avenue that you're sending them and make sure you create the nurture sequence so that it's actually relevant and enticing to the leads that, that are signing up for the initial touch point, okay? All right, the next nurture sequence is a post-webinar or live experience, such as a video series, live challenge, um, any of those emails um, that nurture people to buy. So I put this under nurturing, even though it could be considered a sales sequence, because I think it's a little bit of both. So if you have, let's say a live webinar or you do a live video series, then after that, you're obviously pushing somebody to your offer, whether that's a direct you know, product offer, it's a service, it's an application. You have a call to action where you want somebody to take action. So you are pushing people to that and there's going to be a massive percentage of people who don't take action. And so you should have a window usually four to seven days um, where you're pushing that action to all the people who haven't taken action. Obviously through retargeting ads, but also to support that, you should have solid emails. And I put it under nurturing because they shouldn't just be direct, boring sales emails. People will tune that out. Our brains and people's brains are really trained to tune out sales material and ads. So you, just like with your ads where you have to make it connective and people have to be able to stop scrolling and it can't feel like this in-your-face sales ad, same with your sales emails and your, this, this sequence after somebody signs up for a live experience and you kind of have your promo window where you're pushing your offer, it really needs to nurture people through storytelling, testimonials, why they should buy your offer, but connecting to the problems they're currently experiencing and, and writing so that it's like, you're probably here and you want to be here and here's my offer that does that for you. And so it's not just straight sales emails. Yes, they can be direct. Yes, they should have urgency and they're pushing a call to action, but they also still need to connect. They still need to build trust with that buyer because why have they not bought yet? Because they don't trust you enough yet. The trust is not all the way there. So they have to get there in order to create that decision to then go buy. One thing that so many people overlook in their marketing is their nurture strategy. When you have leads coming into your list through webinars, opt-ins, free trainings, and more, you will end up with a large number of people who are interested in what you do, but haven't bought from you yet. These leads are hot and are prime leads to focus on nurturing. Don't leave money on the table by missing this piece to your strategy. I've created a nurture campaign swipe file containing a checklist of all the nurture campaigns you should have, as well as a full plug and play email swipe file of one of our top converting nurture email sequences. You can get access right now to this swipe file at hirschmarketing.com slash nurture. All right, the next one, um, which one are we on? We are on number one, two, three, four. This is four out of nine. Regular and consistent email newsletter nurturing. So this is for, okay, you get people on your list and then they sign up for a webinar or however they enter your list. And then maybe they go through a nurture sequence. That's four or five emails like we talked about. 
And then what's happening with them? Then how are you staying in touch with them? And we call this like our newsletter list, even though newsletters are like so old, we don't send newsletters, but it's still like our regular list of people who get our regular emails, if that makes sense. So for us, we're sending out our podcasts and our Hirsch Marketing Report, but that's a planned out calendar every month of what we're sending our email list. I know a lot of people out there have said like, email lists are dead. Like you don't need to grow your email list anymore. It doesn't do anything. It does. Like it, it really does pay to grow your email list, to nurture your email list and to continually send them nurturing content. And then occasionally, of course, offers and calls to action. But you, what you can't do is here's what not to do and what too many people do, just probably because of lack of time and resources in their marketing. But they create a webinar, people sign up for that webinar, they maybe have a nurture sequence attached to that webinar that's nurturing and selling their offer and pitching their offer, and then they go silent and they don't email their list regularly. Maybe they email them once or twice a month or less, and then they're like, oh, it's time for me to launch and I wanna promote things. And then they hit their list hard with a ton of emails. The list is not gonna pay attention to those emails. You've gotta be consistent with your valuable content for the list to ever pay attention to what you're selling when it comes time to promote something, okay? So make sure that you have ideally like at the beginning of every month or the end of every month for the following month, you plan out what are the emails I'm gonna send my whole list that are valuable, not just what sales emails am I gonna send my list or call to action emails, what valuable content am I, am I going to send my list? And make it easy. Like if you do podcasts, that can be your emails. If you put something out into the world, if you do a blog, if you do a video, help rep or repurpose that and use that for your emails. But be strategic that these people get your emails regularly so that when it comes time to sell to your list and actually pitch something to your list, they're receptive to it. Okay. All right. This one, next one, the sixth one is, um, I don't even know, fifth one is my favorite. This is the 90-day nurture sequence with flash sales. So I implement this in pretty much all of my evergreen funnels that we have, which would be evergreen like automated. So if we had an automated webinar where somebody was signing up, they were getting uh, a sequence of emails that was pitching the offer within you know four to five days after the webinar, and then what? Then what do they go? They go to my regular list, but also I want to make sure I have an automated way to re-pitch them and to resell to them. So we build in 90 days of automated nurturing that typically looks like one email a week with two flash sales happening at week four and week six. Flash sales back for the original offer that was in whatever they signed up for. So like the webinar. So let's just say I had a webinar. I pitched a course for $9.97. This is hypothetical. I don't have a $9.97 course, but I'm just saying, okay, I had a webinar. I pitched a course. They don't buy. They're going to get put into this nurture sequence where for 90 days they get weekly emails and then a flash sale at four and six weeks. And so people will be coming in at all different times. But what this does is creates a snowball where people are getting repitched your offer automated. Because flash sales are so great. Like you're building this list of people, you're creating this awareness and um, recognition of your offer and you should do regular flash sales because people maybe today aren't ready to buy your offer but are in three months and you don't know when. But having flash sales automatically packed in is so awesome for conversions because then you're just getting these extra automated sales. 
So with this nurture sequence, you're nurturing and then you're also reselling your offer, okay? So the important piece with this is that in the nurture content, so in that weekly nurture content, making sure that you are strategic with it. So if you know the objections that the lead might have to buying because they haven't bought yet and you're going to pitch them a flash sale in a few weeks, what is the content that they need to hear in order to buy and in order to make that decision and pull that trigger? So you can still hint at your product by saying a casual I was talking to my student, blah, 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 the other day. And here is, you know, what happened in the story. And so you're still seeding the offer that you're going to pitch again in your sales, um, flash sales, but you, you're doing it very strategically and lightly. So it's staying top of mind, but you're convincing them with every email. So be super intentional with those emails. Okay, the next one is the abandoned application or call nurture sequence. So this is if you sell high ticket um, and this is for, I have two for high ticket sales. This one and the next one are going to be for high ticket. So if somebody goes to your application uh, or your call and they start the process of booking it. So for us, what this, what happens for us is they, they give us their name and their email address and then they get pushed to the application. And so if they don't finish that application and submit it and get a tag, they're put in our abandoned application sequence. And instead of just having a basic email that's like, hey, you forgot to fill out your application, go finish. I actually put strategic, I think we did about four emails in there around content that would convince them. Because what are the reasons? This is, again, put yourself in the position of your ideal customer, what are the reasons they might abandon their application? Time, obviously, takes time to fill it out. Maybe they lost confidence going through it thinking, I don't know if they could really help me or I don't know if I really qualify or I don't know if this is really worth it. Money could be one of them, of course. So think through the objections that that person might have and then create a nurture sequence that's going to knock down those objections so that they go back and finish their application. And here's an example of there's a metric, right? So if I implement an abandoned application nurture sequence, then I will be able to see, oh, is this improving my application completion rate and, and amount? So make sure, again, be strategic with the content and ask yourself, what does that person need to hear and read Maybe you send them to content like a podcast or a video and you're explaining your process or you're explaining um, your results or your viewpoint and you're just differentiating your brand a little bit, but that's what's going to convince them like, oh yeah, I do have that 10 minutes to go finish that application or this is worth it. Let me at least try this. Let me see what happens if I finish this application. That's where you want to get them to the people. Okay. The next one is also for um, high ticket sales. And that is a non-sales nurture sequence after having a call. So if somebody goes to your sales team, they have a call with them and then they don't convert to the sale of your product, but maybe the sales team thinks they're still a good fit and is like, I don't know, they're not ready yet. They're not ready to make a decision, but I still think that they you know, could buy in, in the next three to six to 12 months. You should create an automated nurture sequence that is going to continue to nurture those leads strategically. So what what do they need to hear? Authority building, testimonials, case study examples of your students or your clients to be able to pull that trigger and you're trying to stay top of mind. So what we do is 
our sales client success specialist, Andra, if she has a call with someone and they say, no, I'm not ready to move forward with this, but she's like, they're still a great fit. And like maybe in the future, it would make sense for them to come join the agency. Their business is the right fit. That's the key. If their business is not the right fit, we do not put them in the sequence. But if they are the right fit and we think in the future they could become a client or a student of ours, Andra will tag them and put them into our non-sales nurture sequence. This is a very light nurture sequence because you do not want to bombard these people. I think we do like one email every other week or something for like six months. It's a long time and not a lot of emails because they're also going to be getting our regular emails that we send to our list. But these are just some extra bonus ones talking about results we've had with clients and case study examples and breaking down objections and most common issues that people might have. We wrote all of these based on literally sales call conversations. And so again, this is an example where you could have a sales call deem somebody as a not a sale and then just let them kind of sit there or fall away or fall off your list. And it's like, why? They could become a customer or a client later on. So let's be strategic with how we're communicating to them so that we're able to close them. Even if it's in six months from now, that's fine. You know, some people it just isn't the right time, but in six months it is the right time for them. Okay. All right. The next one is a similar um, type of sequence, but this is for products. So this is the abandoned cart nurture sequence. So sometimes people in this case will focus directly on just like one email, just like I said with the abandoned application of like, hey, you forgot to finish your order, go back and finish it. Well, why not have a nurture sequence too that if they still don't buy after that one email of, hey, you forgot to finish your order, where you are nurturing them with three or four emails saying, casually and not as directly but in the back end saying hey go and make sure that you finish your order and here's some success stories and here's me breaking down your objections I know you have with this valuable content and so I think we kind of sometimes mistake direct selling and getting them back to close the sale with opportunities where we could nurture and and just strengthen the relationship or answer questions they might have because we know our audience so well we know those questions through a strategic nurture sequence so just like if they abandon the application instead of just having one email that's like hey go back and finish it I'm nurturing them and saying I'm nurturing them strategically without them even realizing it, but with case study examples, success stories, backing our process. So same thing with abandoned cart, if they do abandon the cart. Now, the only way to do this obviously is if you if you capture their email in the cart process. So this is where sometimes people put name and email and then they move to the checkout page or there are, I believe, some softwares where it can do that because you can definitely create an ad. So... You have to get their name and email, obviously, for this to work. But usually if you start the checkout process and then you abandon it, um, you're able to capture that in some way. They have to obviously start filling out your order form in some capacity. But instead of just sending them back to the order form, why not make sure that you are sending them nurture content that you know will convince at least some people, at least 5%, maybe, probably not even that high, but you see it's such a low percentage. But even if it is a low percentage, it's the people that weren't weren't going to buy and now they are. And so it's just extra money for the leads you've already worked so hard to get to your cart page. 
nurturing them with either case studies, testimonials, um, backing your process or your product in some way. Maybe it's storytelling of why it was created and, and what kind of problems it's going to solve. Of course, focusing on that per- person and what the problem they have is and what you know they want, but nurturing them and strengthening that relationship and trust in your brand just a little bit more. Okay. All right. And the last nurture sequence I have listed here is for self-liquidating offer funnels. After someone buys that first product, making sure you have a nurture sequence attached to that, that connects to the next step you want them to take and sends them back to any upsells that you maybe had if they didn't buy them. So for example, in our slow funnel, I want people to get to the application. So they buy my first product, get put into a nurture sequence. I think it's four to five emails. And then in those, I'm nurturing them with case studies, with client examples and testimonials, with top content that I've honestly probably pulled from the podcast. That's where I get most of our content for emails. And then I'm sending them to the application. For you, it might be sending them to a webinar. It might be sending them to a video series. It might be sending them to an application or a call. Whatever that next step is, connect it to something like your self-liquidating offer funnel. And then also we have an email for people who bought only the first product, but not the second product that sends them back to go buy it within a couple of days. Because a lot of times people are like, oh, I actually do want that. So we give them one more chance with a, with a limited time offer to go back and buy that. So those are the nine strategies. That was a lot. I hope you took notes. Those are the nine strategies to nurture your leads. Make sure you get our our uh, content PDF on this because it is killer, I'm telling you, with value. And I think you guys will get a lot out of implementing this. If you do end up implementing any of these in your business, I want to hear about how it impacted conversions. Thank you so much for tuning in today, guys. If you want support with your strategy, this is an example actually in our onboarding strategy and strategy call we have with clients. We have a slide that's all about email nurture sequences because it's not just about the ads. These are the type of things in your funnel that support the success of your ads and you need to have the whole ecosystem working for your whole strategy to work. So if you would like support with that in your own business, you can go to helpmystrategy.com to see if you qualify to work with Team Hirsch and I'll see you all on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Hirsch Marketing Underground Podcast. Go behind the scenes of multi-million dollar ad campaigns and strategies, dive deep into the Hirsch process and listen to our most popular episodes over at hirschmarketingunderground.com. If you loved this episode of the podcast, do me a favor and head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review so we can reach more people and change more lives with this content. That's all for now, and I'll catch you next time.